this week on the podcast, I think I've talked about this before. It's a moment of deja vu, really. But I've just had this thought in my head. It's the Lord laid it on my heart this week that I needed to talk about letting our words be few. Ironic, I know, since it's a podcast and an audio-only podcast. But I hope you'll stay tuned for it. I guess this podcast is a little ironic. If you can tell by the title, let your words be few. It's interesting to do that while talking on a podcast. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how else to put it other than just say, I, I think the Lord laid this on my heart for a purpose. It's probably just for me, but I felt blessed and led to share. We've been... Uh, talking about a number of different things over the last few weeks and one last week was denying yourself and then the lord led me to a chapter in ecclesiastes last night i was studying and praying and and really looking over some things and I, this just came to mind for me uh you know i, I literally just opened the word um uh, and it hit everything I had been praying for, everything I had been asking God for guidance on. And I feel that he's guided me here. And I just want to take a look at some text here. I'm going to read the first few verses. We'll talk about uh, the whole of the chapter in Ecclesiastes 5 today. But it says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what they that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay praying it or paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. What on earth could I have out of that for us? on a podcast, on a lot of words about how to find peace and joy in life. Well, it starts with one realization, and that is the theme of Ecclesiastes, all is vanity. The writer, the the preacher, the son of David, it's how it's signed. It's the first verse of the book, but it says some mighty important things I believe for our Christian walk uh, and can be very applicable if we choose to do so but it's a sermon folks it is a truly blessed word that we find in the midst of the Old Testament but all is vanity all is vanity you know one of the things that's really come to mind over the last few weeks is that selfishness rules the world. And I've talked many times about this, maybe even on this podcast, but selfishness rules the world right now. 
you know, Beyonce said that it was girls, but no, it's selfishness. It's it's literally selfishness is at the heart of everything that we see. Everything that we see around us going on in the world today that is not of God is at, the, at its very core selfish. Why is it selfish? It's because it's vanity and it's chasing after the wind. It's because it's seeking after our own way. But I just want to look at what this text says to us today in chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. The first thing we see here in verse 1, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. In other words, guard your steps as you go to worship. Now, what could he mean? I honestly believe that this chapter is talking about prayer. I believe that this entire chapter is talking about what prayer is and what it means to us. And that's why the title, Let Your Words Be Few, why the statement is made here. Because I believe that it's a very good guideline we're given here of how to pray. How to go before God, how to talk with God and give God the, the reverence that he deserves in a manner of prayer. Now, it could be in a number of other things as well, but hear what I'm trying to say today, because I believe that this is a lot more deep than we want to give it credit to be. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. In other words, watch yourself. Watch yourself as you approach the throne room of grace. Watch yourself as you approach the house of God. Draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know they are doing evil what why would i talk about prayer well the, the selfishness that runs this world brings us to this place of where that first segment right there guard yourself as you go to the house of god be careful of the steps that you take as you approach god and then it would be better to listen than to spout off like fools. Folks, if it doesn't apply to our prayer life, it does apply to our prayer life. You know what I mean? If 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 the preacher wasn't talking necessarily about prayer, I just want you to understand that we can apply this to our prayer. Because all of our prayer in this world today seems like vanity. We go before the Lord. We ask God for all of the things that we want. We ask God for all of the things that the world tells us we need. We ask God to give us this, 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 and this because it would make our life better. When the only true thing we need to find, to seek, to go after is him. Understand that today. The one thing that would fix everything for us in this world is him. And all else would fall into place. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. But as we as we watch our steps, we guard our steps as we approach the house of God. And we draw near to listen. It's better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. To go before God and just portray this big image. Look good, but do evil because you're not living that sacrifice you're giving be not rash with your mouth nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before god 
for God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. A dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. In other words, are you speaking all the time? I think Hamilton, and we did do a podcast about this called Talk Less, Smile More. Uh, That line in Hamilton really grabbed me. And the reason that it grabbed me is because it's this idea of sometimes it's better to listen and just take it in than to spout off and just say everything you want to say and never listen to what's happening around you. See, it's, it's wise for us to listen first. It's wise for us to listen and react rather than to be the cause of the reaction. Because if we're ill-informed, if we're misinformed, if we're not growing in relationship with God, God is in heaven and we are on earth. That is what the writer, the preacher here says. He says, God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. In other words, God has created this earth. God, the, the master of the universe, the one who created all is in heaven and you are not. He sees all of what has been created. You see your little tiny world. But see, this is where vanity comes in. This is where that selfishness overrides us. This is where that selfish behavior begins. Because in our prayers, in in the way we pray, See, sometimes we we think we've got to pray these big elaborate prayers. We've got to go before God with all of these words. And sometimes it might just be good to lay and listen, to sit in that moment with him and to hear and to just take it all in and not say a word. And here's why. Folks, if you ever tried to speak with a spouse or with a loved one or a friend that you've had a disagreement with, And you just go into that disagreement. You just keep pounding them with your words. And you never slow down enough to hear their side of the story. You never slow down enough to hear what they have to say back to you. Or or let's flip the script a little bit. Maybe they've done that to you. They keep just pounding you with the things they want you to hear. And they never stop to hear you. Or let's take this to society today. Because this is what's happening in our society each and every day. One side has their idea of how things should go. The other side has their idea of how things should go. And they're berating one another. They're destroying one another with words. The words are many. They're flying around. And it's foolish. Because there is no agreement that can be worked out between the two sides. Because they keep going at each other's throats. Folks, let's take it back now to the prayer line. When we do that to God, how do we expect to receive a blessing from the God that is in heaven while we're here on earth who sees all we need while we are refusing to give him the glory, to give him the time to speak? He created you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He he knows us inside and out he put us together he knit us in their mother's womb we're fearfully and wonderfully made we could go through all of these conversations and it comes down to this where words are many (laughs) where words are many 
there is vanity. That's what verse 8 says, or verse 7. And I'll get to verse 7 again here in a moment, but it says, A dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. So the, the preacher here is saying, the the words of a are many out of the mouth of a fool. But then this next section talks about making promises. And how many times do we make promises? We make promises with one another. We tell people we're going to do things. But I'm going to take this back to our prayer life in a moment. But how many times do you make promises but break promises? And it's sometimes out of your control. But you've made a promise. It says when you vow a vow to God. Now, now we're getting into the prayer life again. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. When you vow to give God something, give it is what the preacher says. He says, if you make a vow, give it. If you vow God your life, give him your life. If you vow God that you'll do something, then do it. See, many times we want to make covenants with God. Well, guess who's never broken a covenant that God made with man? God. But who breaks it on a regular basis? Man. That's the point that the preacher here is saying. He's saying, if you make a vow to God, keep it, keep it quickly, pay it quickly, make right on the vow you've made because you have made a promise to the creator of the universe, the one who has power. The last words of verse seven, fear God. We must fear God. We've, we've lost our sense of fear in God today. Jesus in Luke 12, I've talked about it many times. He says, do not fear man who can do, can kill the body, but do more, no more, but fear God who after he kills the body can condemn the soul to hell. Yes. Fear him. He's the one to fear. That's the idea that we have here in Ecclesiastes five, seven. See what's happening here is you make a vow to God and you make it and you pay it quickly because you got to make right on the promise you've made to the God of the universe because he's made promises with you and he's keeping his promises. And, and we'll get into the why here in a moment. But I want to say this. When you make a vow to God, remember that delayed obedience is disobedience. If you have promised to do something for God, be it obey him, whatever the case might be, if if you delay that, it's disobedience. It's it's sinful because you're delaying what you're going to do. And if you have the means, if you have the opportunity, if you have the time and you've made the promise, keep the promise. That's that's what he's saying. And and we're the ones that break it. And what does he say in those next verses again? You'd basically it says you'd be better off dead. <laughs> it says you would be better not to vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Now, that's that's kind of hard to take in and hard to, to really. You know. It's better not to make the promise than to not keep the promise. It is better for you not to get yourself into trouble with words than to not keep the promise you made with words. Folks, many times to shut people up, we make promises to them. Many times to God, 
we make promises. God, if you'll get me out of this situation, if only this, then I will this. Folks, that is a vow that you are making before the Father. That is the vow that you are making before the God of the universe, the creator of all life, the one who has promised you and never broken his word to you. And you are saying, God, if you will deliver me from this circumstance, I promise you I will do this. What comes when he does? Are you fulfilling that promise to him today? Many of us, and, and, and myself included, could look back on some things right now and probably find a disappointing ma matter in our lives where we made a promise like that. Maybe in our youth. Maybe yesterday. But we made a promise like that to God and we said, God, if you will do this, then I will do this. How are you doing on that promise? Have you kept it? Have you fulfilled the vow you made to God? Have you continued to fulfill that vow to God? Because many times we make that just for the moment. God, if you'll just make sure that I'm protected from this, then I'll never do this again. Three weeks later, we're right back where we were. Even though we got out of that circumstance. Even though we got out of that situation. We find ourselves traveling right back to the well that we fell in the first time. Folks, it's better not to make a promise than to not keep it. It's better to not let our words lead us into sin. Right? Isn't, isn't that what the preacher here says? Yes. He says, don't let your words get you into trouble. Paul even reflects on this idea in Romans 14, and we've talked about that before as well. Romans 14, verse 22, keep your promise between you and God. Keep your faith between you and God that you do not cast judgment on yourself by what you approve. In other words, Keep your mouth shut sometimes. Stop telling everybody where you stand, how you feel, all of these things. If they ask, then maybe have a conversation. But he's saying, stop broadcasting all of these things, condemning others and really bringing people down. Because what if you find out you're wrong? You know, our words get us into trouble quite often. I'll be the first to admit, I have an overactive mouth. I speak a lot more than I think sometimes, and I speak a lot quicker than I think sometimes. You know, I've, I've got a small group of uh, men that I meet with, uh, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity to begin doing this. Uh, and, and one of the things that came out of our first meeting just a few weeks ago was a statement that was made um, that said, don't take yourself too seriously. Folks, we take ourselves so seriously in these days and times, and it's all vanity. We, we take ourselves so seriously in, in these days, and it's vanity. It's all vanity, folks. And here's what I'm saying. It's vanity because as we get wrapped up in these things about life, we think our opinion matters more than God's. Look, I want to tell you this truth today. God loves you. He loves me. He loves us so much that he, he, he decided to make a way for us to find redemption in him. But hear me out. God is sovereign. He is the ruler of the universe. He created all things. And for his glory, they are his. This world is his. Our lives are his. 
All of our possessions are his. So why are we so worried about the hours conversation about what's mine? Mine, mine, mine. Why are we so worried about that when it's all his? It doesn't even belong to you. You've been made a steward of it. You have been made a steward of those things today. We are servants of God. But hear me out. A steward is, you know, in ancient times, when we go back to the the biblical times and we think about what a servant was. Now, number one, a servant was more like an indentured servant than a slave uh, in that day and time. It was not a permanent thing. Every seven years, they have the year of Jubilee and everybody was freed from their slavery. They were given back the things that they had lost, all of those things. So, I mean, but the the, estate would have a number of servants that served the estate. And then the, the owner of the estate would have one trustworthy servant that he would name a steward. This guy uh, would be the one that he would go to and, and trust with everything. He would be the one that the owner of the estate would put in charge of the master's possessions. He would be the one who would be the go-to of the servants, the leader of the servants, the leader of those God has made us a steward of some pretty amazing things in our life. We've been made stewards of, of life itself. We've been made stewards of the truth of God's word, the gospel. We've been made stewards of material resources we find in this world, spiritual gifts, and of sovereign opportunities. We've been given these gifts And all with the intention that we would make a difference in the lives of others. How can we be the best steward that we've been called to be? We can serve others. That's what it's about. To live like Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as you love yourself. Love one another is the goal. Go and share the gospel. That's another goal that was given by Christ. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. I mean, I command you to go and preach the word to the ends of the earth. He gave us goals to go and do. And look, we're more content sitting at home, making promises, empty promises at that, to God. God, if you'll just deliver me from this, then I promise you, it's better not to make the promise, folks. It's better for us to be the stewards that we've been called to be. James chapter 4, you know, if we take this into the worldly sense, the quarrels and the fights and the arguments that are happening around us in the world today, what causes those selfishness? Don't you know that those arguments, those things come from the desires that are deep within you? Well, What am I saying with all of that? What can we take from that today? Well, we can really take a lot. Because if our words are few, then we've not said things. We've not cast judgment on others. We've we've kept quiet. We've listened to the situation. We've trusted God. We've sought his uh, leadership and guidance. And then if he presses us to speak, we do. See, that's the difference in opinion and truth it doesn't mean that your opinion is off the truth it just means that sometimes we need to hush let our words be few 
Stop causing problems and struggles and turmoil among us. I didn't intend for this to sound like a sermon, but you know, I, I just enjoy the conversation. I enjoy speaking on God's word and and knowing that He's promised us in His word that it won't return void. And I just hope that this helps in some ways because this has broken me in a mighty way to really look at my own words, look at my own conversations, look at my own reactions and, and responses and to let my words be few. See, here's the last problem that I see that the preacher in Ecclesiastes is talking about. First, you know, we speak off all his vanity. We speak off words that may or may not make sense and and those words come from a vain place within us but what does vanity also lead us to it leads us to lack of discernment now what do i mean by that well there's a verse here that just really has tugged at my heart in a way why should god be angry the second part of verse six why should god be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands for when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Why should God be angry and destroy the work of your hands? What makes God angry? It's our discernment. It's the fact that we're making promises to God and we're not fulfilling those promises. It's the fact that we're constantly telling God what we want, but never listening to what he wants from us. We're constantly doing things out of our own selfish desires and never seeking for the desires which he has for us. Folks, what makes God angry is the rejection of his children. What makes God angry is the lack of listening that we do. What makes God angry is the when we call his work a mistake. See, many times we get caught up in doing something and God may be behind it. It's just it's not happening as fast as we thought it was. And then eventually we just go, well, it's just a mistake that I was here. And God's saying, if you just be patient and shut up, if you just be patient and, and calm down, stay calm and trust what I'm doing. But instead we get angry, we push it aside, we call it a mistake and we walk away. Folks, I'm using this as an example because I want you to hear that God does get angry at those who call his work a mistake. What happened to Peter? Peter sees the sheet fall and God says, choose and eat, take anything from it. You can eat any of these. And Peter looks out over this sheet and he sees all these animals. He sees all these things and, and he says, I, I can't eat those things, God. Those are unclean. What does God say to him? He says, do not call anything I have made unclean because it is from me. It is pure. I have created it. In other words, God sets Peter straight. He says it's not unclean. God tells him to eat from the sheep. Peter denies it and says, I can't do it. He rejects him. He rebukes him. Jesus rebuked Christ more than once and he's here rebuking God when God says take and eat from the sheet and Peter says I can't it's unclean 
And God says, you dare call anything I said that I created unclean. Folks, we do this every day. It may not be a sheet that comes down with food for us to eat, but we do this every day by calling what God is doing a mistake. By looking at the work of God and saying, well, it must be some mistake. This can't be right. This isn't what it should be. Our words get in the way. Our words and our opinions get in our way of seeing God do things that are grand and glorious. And, I, and I'm just going to use this as an example. But what if? What if we're angering God with our words right now? In these arguments that we're undertaking about uh, racism and pol politics and, and vaccines and and you name it, you name the argument that's happening in the world today and how we as his body are portraying him in the way that we present ourselves. Folks, number one, the, the command, do not take my name in vain, that God gave to the Israelites was not necessarily about just saying God's name. We've somehow decided that we can narrow that down to a smaller margin by, by it meaning well, you know, don't say, oh, my God, or don't say GD or something like that. Folks, if you use God's name in an argument that is not of God. And you use it to apply attributes to it or to make a statement, you're taking his name in vain because it is not something he said. If you're using God's name to acquire political standing or acquire uh you know, someone to get on your side, you're not doing anything but taking God's name in vain. And we've got to understand that today. Many times we cry out vainly the name of God over every little argument that we're in because, well, that's not of God. Well, how do you know? Can you find me a scripture and a backup verse for this? Can you show me where you're at in all of this? Because there's many things that are not addressed in the Bible and we go and start applying our own opinions to it and saying, well, well, you know, because of this and because of the way I feel in this, I know it's not of God. Well, help me help you. Folks, we're getting so wrapped up in telling people that things are of God or are not of God that we're applying falsities to God's name. We're taking his name in vain. And if we would have just let our words be few, we wouldn't have caused sin with our words. We wouldn't have sinned with our lips. We wouldn't have sinned by the things we said. Folks, we've got to understand today, promises made, promises kept. But what angers God is when we reject him willfully. When we get angry willfully at what he's doing, we call it a mistake. Or when we won't let him even speak into our lives because we won't shut up long enough to hear him. So many over the last few months have become keyboard warriors that just sit at a keyboard and they will type, type, type. They will spout off at the mouth at every argument that's out there. And honestly... It's hard for you to see in those folks that they even have time to open God's word and read it.
They're relying on what they heard a preacher say one day. They're relying on what they read one time when they were a child. They're relying on things, but they've never spent the time in prayer because they haven't stopped taking it to Facebook long enough. I, I want to say this as I close, and, and it just simply, I think, wraps it all up in this way. There are many things that are on our minds today. Christians are so much more willing to begin their prayers with dear Facebook than dear God. Dear Twitter. You know, I can keep it to 140 characters, right? We're so much more willing to go to the crowd on Facebook than the Father above. We go to our following rather than the one we follow. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to be in tutelage under. It means he's the coach and we're the assistant coach and we're learning from what he's teaching us. But we've, we're refusing to get on our knees and cry out to God. We're more interested in stirring divisiveness than praying and trusting God. And we feel like we have to take it all to Facebook first before we do anything else. Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, if I preach, if I have faith, if I am all knowledge, but I have not love, I have and am nothing. That's essentially what he says. He says it's a clanging gong. It's a clanging gong. It's nothing but noise if we do not know how to love one another. Where do we find that love in a relationship with the God who loves us? Love one another as I have loved you. But if we're not slowing down enough in this world of vanity to even feel the love of the Father, how can we give it to someone else? If we're not slowing down enough to even remotely get to know the one who loves us, how are we going to be able to give that to anyone else? All is vanity chasing after the wind. All is vanity. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Folks, I believe the preacher of Ecclesiastes was on to something. Especially here in chapter 5. Now, it doesn't end that way in chapter 5. Go on down and he talks about wealth and honor. And as I mentioned before, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. He says here, behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. The, first, the few days of his life that God has given him for this lot. This is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy in his heart. What is he saying there? He's saying this. The hand you've been dealt is the hand that God dealt you. Why? Much like Esther, you're for such a time as this. Folks, the life we are in right now, enjoy the toil that you face. James put it maybe in a better way in verse one in chapter one of his letter and said, 
rejoice in all types of trials because the trials develop perseverance. What we see here is the preacher simply saying, rejoice in what God has given you because it is a gift from God. Vanity makes us think we deserve more. Vanity makes us think we're entitled to something greater than we've been given. Reality is God has given you what you have. And you're calling it a mistake because you want to be something else. You want to have a different lifestyle altogether. You want to have something you're not. You want to be something you're not. You want to have things that you haven't been given. How do we get the wealth and the power in this world? The wealth and the knowledge of the things in this world. How do we get all these things? They come from God. And if you continually curse God with the words and the lifestyle you live, then he gets angry and he will destroy the work of your hands. But there's a wealth and a power that cannot be taken from you in this life. And that is the one that came because God blessed you with it. The one that came because your focus was on the kingdom of God and not on yourself. The focus was on sharing the word and not on getting what you felt you needed or deserved. It wasn't on you building your life. It was on you surrendering it to the king who built your life for you. You see, that's where this life truly becomes something great. Because what he says there in the last verse of chapter 5 is that our days are short, each one a gift from God. But he says, shorter the days because the focus isn't on the day. You know, the focus is on God. Shorter the days in that time because the focus isn't on the day. The focus is on God. The focus is on what God is doing and what he continues to do. Think about this today. It's it's truly a beautiful thing. He will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy in his heart. When we are overwhelmed by God, when we are fully involved with God, our heart is so joyful and overwhelmed that we don't have time for the vanity. You don't even remember the days of your life because you are so overjoyed with what God is doing in your heart. I think that's about the best thing we could find right now. How does all this happen when we let our words be few and we listen to the Father? Spend some time with Him today. Enjoy Him today. Be encouraged by Him today. Truly take it all in. It's truly a blessing to think about. Thank you for listening to the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can get it on all major platforms that are out there. So we thank you for joining us wherever you're listening. If you want to go listen to another on another podcast, uh, feel free. We, we'd love the plays. Share it with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash where the wild things aren't podcast. No apostrophe in there, no spaces, but you can find us on Facebook or just search for the where the wild things aren't podcast on Facebook. Send us a message. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Also, if you just need someone to talk to about the Lord, we'd love to do that as well. We try to get a new episode up every week on Friday. So until next week, 
Enjoy your week in the Lord. Thanks for listening to the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast.